and welcome to Anomaly Presents, a podcast about movies, the genre movies that inspired a genre film festival. That's the Anomaly Film Festival coming soon, uh, this November 3 through 6. That's November 3rd through the 6th, the year of our Lord 2022 in beautiful Rochester, New York at the historic little theater. Did I hit all the bases? I think I hit all the bases. We did a thing this weekend. That's what the kids say, right? We did a thing. You're the one with a child, so whatever your <laughs> child says. <laughs> we, it, it's not about Pokemon, so it's probably not my kid. Um, <laughs> so we we, we had a, a, a double feature uh, with our good friends at uh, Saturday Night Rewind and Fright Rags. Uh, we we screened not one Candyman, but two Candymen. Well, same Candyman, just just 20 or 30 years later. Uh, so we are here tonight to kind of talk about Candyman. We are so jazzed on it. I don't know. Uh, check out social media because we, we did a bunch of cool stuff. Uh, shout out to Magnus for uh, putting together some amazing artwork. Uh, we kind of converted the uh, the little theater to, what would you say, a beehive? Yeah. They More would not let us paint a giant Candyman head with an open mouth anywhere this time. You know, I I, I'm a little concerned. We're saying his name. Oh, no, we've said it way more than five times. Like, we're already in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> it's just going to happen. All right. Now I'm going to say Beetlejuice three times and then they can right. duke it out. <laughs> they can fight it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That, see, I always think pr pretty solid idea. Our kind of like the grudge versus the ray situation. Yeah. Well, He's got to get them both in the same place. It's an interesting question. Are cameras mirrors? I have yeah. crimped in it. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. If I turn the lights off, yeah, exactly. I'm like, my phone. Yeah, you don't carry a compact anymore. You just yeah. hold this up. <laughs> See, this is the thing. I try to avoid mirrors as much as I can, so I don't know how we define them anymore. So, yeah, I, I guess that counts. So, I, I guess we don't say the c word again. It's too late. At this point, that'd be it'd be disrespectful to not say Candyman. Yep, there it is. He knows already. Just like Santa Claus, he knows when you've been sleeping. He knows when you're awake. You better be good for Sir, this. Is sleep. utmost respect. It's it's the Candyman. So uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll start with 1992's Candyman, um, and then if there's any time left, we'll we'll revisit last year's requel. Uh, the first time I ever heard the term requel was uh, actually Saturday night when when KP said it. So let's uh, let's go around because I, I just spoiled it. We have KP with us and Megan because we've been talking about it. So let's let's do the yeah. introductions, I guess. I like this new season four of this where we don't even bother introducing anymore. It's just we jump in. Joining us, joining me, together, we are the Anomaly Podcastronauts. Uh, Megan Murphy is with us. Hey, it's me, your boy. And Kristen Pelk Pacheco is with us. Hey, everybody. I'm not going to say, you know, whose name. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. I, I don't think it told, I feel like if it's been fed, said five times, it kind of doesn't matter if it's just by the same person. I'm going particularly by the end of the new one. Okay. I think that's fair. Okay. Yeah. All right. Which yeah, is like, I don't know what the reset one. rules are. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I just feel like that's the latest one. And it seemed to count when the cop said it. Interesting. I was counting. She said it four times. And I was like, did, it, did she say five? And then I went back. I'm like, oh, he was like, Candyman? I'm like, ah, ha, 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 ha. It was a joint effort. You fool. He, he brought his own reckoning. Yeah. And I'll go back and count again. I got real intense in it. Like, I'm like, okay, because she started quiet. And then it got louder. It was so great because like all the emotions are gone. I'm like, did my Candyman sense off? I feel like that was only four. <laughs> and this isn't important for the scene, Megan. No, I think it is, though. It is. <laughs> My own personal I, horror math. I love that you've turned this into the end of Dirty Harry. Um, and also the, the community bit with Beetlejuice. Okay. All at the same time. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. Top, Bravo right? with that. Oh right? my that, goodness. Top tier. It's genius. Oh, just, I, love, I love just like a low key. Like we're just going to have this joke throughout the whole damn season. It'll pay off and the weirdos will find it and put it on YouTube. <laughs> they no. didn't have to do anything else. Dan Harmon is the king of that. Let's make things for the weirdos. Because I'm a weirdo. So let's just put that out there and see if anybody else notices. And we do. <laughs> I approve. For I am also a weirdo. Yeah. This content is for me. So Candyman. <laughs> so we'll start with the 1992 Candyman. Um, uh, the, the director fascinated me. It's, it's Bernard Rose, who you would know from um, The Muppet Show and Dark Crystal. 
Did we know that? Huh. Yeah. Yeah. He directed I mean, the a, Muppet show. I mean, he's like a British weirdo. Uh, like I've seen little clips of interviews with him. I'm like, yeah, it tracks though. It tracks. Oh yeah. Yeah. I had no clue about his history, but definitely I watched like a quick behind the scenes, like interview thing. And I'm like, oh yeah, no, you were the man for the job here. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it's peak British weirdo between uh, Bernard Rose and uh, Clive Barker. They, uh, oh God, with their British weirdo combined. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and different types of weirdo. So it just. I mean, the whole hypnotism thing. I don't know if you. Yes. Yeah, let's go for that. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about the, the hypnotism. Fascinating. What oh, okay. I, I, yeah. I guess yeah, go ahead. Yeah, right. yeah, go for yeah, it. Yeah. So for uh, Virginia Madsen to um, every when she starts seeing Candyman. Um, Bernard Rose said that he didn't want her to scream because he didn't like screaming in movies. It drove him nuts. So he said he wanted her more like to be like in a trance. Uh, so they took the extra step to take her to a hypnotist to get her hypnotized to the point where Bernard Rose would have a basically a word he could say that would get Virginia Madsen like all trancied. And apparently it worked great for a while. But apparently at one point uh, I was watching an interview with her and she was like, there was one day where I could not remember a day of shooting. So I was like, Bernard, do not come at me with that look again. We're done with this. Like, oh, that's so much power to give one British weirdo. Yeah. Yeah. And and, like she she's an actress. Right. Right. And act about she should be able to act and you should give her the chance to actually act like she's in a trance. Yeah, that's my thought. (laughs) But, you know, I'm like, you know what? Obviously, she did it. Whether she's in a trance or not, it's fabulous. Virginia It's amazing. But what the hell? <laughs> that that kind of encapsulates the weirdness of the film, that they found somebody to hypnotize her just because they wanted that look. Yeah. Mind-blowing. I, do you think it's just like a story they told themselves? I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out, like, did they start doing weird stuff just to make the film strange? I, I can only assume. I mean, there's the whole story about the bees, too. Oh my god, I love the bees though. That that guy's amazing. He had a little like little vacuum to suck yeah, up all Norman. the bees. What's his name? Were... Norman, right? Yeah. He would come and get his bees. And he created a, a queen bee pheromone, basically. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I love it. He's like, I just, I just like come here, little bees. And they were all like very um young bees because they don't have as developed stingers. So he basically made like an apiary at like the top of the building they were filming. So he'd have very young not as not that no one got stung but like a lot less well they had to be careful because virginia yeah, they, deathly allergic yeah, deathly they allergic. out like, i really hope that like she she really went above and beyond it just oh my, seems right? like and what's weird is like, the, like the, i was watching an interview and it was like i think it must have been from like the extras because it's it's not right after it's it's years after right and she says it's one of her favorite experiences and she's very proud of it so if nothing else we know what she put into it is something that she does not regret which is nice to hear because she could have died and that the weird british guy was hypnotizing her so you know like she went through a helen went through a lot yeah it, it's a testament to her that that she's still okay with it because that that's I can't imagine that that's that's a lot to go to work and have all that happen to you like you almost got my girl yeah oh god for work <laughs> Dude, and then and then Tony Todd who literally had bees in his mouth so they had a basically an appliance like this dental dam that was in the back of his mouth and uh, I think they were talking to the one of the guy people on set I said at one point Tony said I can feel a bee got in and was working its way down his throat ah. Though apparently uh, most of the stings he got throughout doing this and the sequels was uh, on the chest because the bees didn't like the appliance. That makes sense. Like when they did the, the which I guess that's a, the special effects dude's fault. It's not the bee guy's fault. The bee guy is blameless. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You, you can't give that bee guy one bit of heat because no. he did an amazing no. job. Did everything yeah, he just could. loves and respects his bees. No. Um. Right. <laughs> These are my babies. Don't worry. Oh, oh time to vacuum them up today. And then they ran the bee vacuum in reverse to get the flying at the oh camera thing. How cool is that? They made a bee vacuum. Okay. <laughs> this might not be the main uh, gist of the film, but bee vacuum. No, but bee vacuum is very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. 
practical bee effects. Practical bee. It works though, right? Instead oh my of God. some cruddy CGI bees. Could you imagine? Nobody must say it. The bees are very effective. Could you imagine? So I can understand going CGI, considering people have allergies. I mean, I get it. Yeah. I get it. But 1992 CGI bees? Oh, that'd be horrible. For the budget Not they made this on? Indeed. Ah! <laughs> yeah, just pixelated bees. These little blocks. I mean, they'd be adorable, I think. <laughs> like Minecraft bees. Minecraft bees. <laughs> the opposite of what we're going for here. Yeah. Like. Oh, look. They gave him friends. Okay, this, I'm not reacting the way I'm supposed to. Yeah, this isn't, no. No. No, that, that, they'd have to save that for like the, the Candyman cartoon, which would be an interesting thought, but I don't really <laughs> go through with it. Oh my God. Oh my God. What if they had a monster cereal, though? That would it would be, be like, oh my God, honey bunches of oats. Honey nut Cheerios. <gasps> honey Crisp There's a crossover. The, the honey Crisp had the, the honeycombs, right? Or was that, that was honeycombs? Yeah, there were honeycombs. <laughs> it, 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 it would be, be my balanced breakfast. <laughs> Where's my check? <laughs> I'm giving out gold. Free advertisements. Just take that copy. Just send me, me, me lifetime me. worth yeah. of cereal. Where's I'll, I'll take that. I'm not going to argue against that. Yeah. Gimme, give gimme. Give Get hooked on a wholesome <laughs> breakfast. Oh, see? see? We're, we're an idea Look factory. Look at this. I, I feel like we're talking around the movie, and it's it's this wasn't really the point of it, but I, it's fun. I love, yeah. I, I love the bee stuff. Um, so... Interesting reads about this movie because I, I hope people have seen it by now. It's been out for thirty years. And you're listening to a podcast about and you're listening it. Listening to a podcast. But also, I'm not going to judge you. So ostensibly, you've seen this. Interesting read about this. Do you think it was all in Helen's head? I think I've not read the original, but from what I understand, the original it's supposed to be a little more intimated that it's Helen the whole time. Is this movie? God no, that would ruin it completely. See, I don't know. So are you asking me? Okay, so. I know too. There's like discussion of whether it's like Candyman like hypnotizing her and she's committing the murders, or you know, yeah. I, I think that is true. But I do think it's like the vengeful spirit. I don't think it's like her psyche breaking. See that if that, that's what we're that's the question. Is it is it a psychological thing where her psyche broke and she's kind of given too much into this? this myth and that's what's happening she's kind of internalized the myth and now become the candy man or is it the supernatural thing where the candy man has come back and, and kind of hypnotized her into this or is it just wrong place wrong time he comes out of the mirror slashes somebody and she just happens to be there i guess i guess the interpretation i like as i'm watching it right is because um, for me, I like this idea of like stories and myths having power, right? So when she is like, you know, looking into this, she's bringing more attention than it had. Because you have this idea that like there are some people who very much believe in Candyman, live in Cabrini Green, almost like a religion, you know? Like obviously there's not like it's died down or they don't know. They know there's paintings on the wall. There are, are offerings of candy. Now we know part of it is supposed to be like, like the the gang guy, I guess, because they're trying to they blame him. But I don't think like he did all that. You know, it doesn't explain everything. And I think it's the when she brought more attention to it, and this is also partly I think reflected in the new film, the idea of like having to keep saying it. Do you repeat something to give it power, to keep it to have power? The story evolves. And I don't know, I think I think it would lose some power if it was all Helen, because I feel like it's kind of her story, but it's not her story. She's learning somebody else's story and she becomes part of it. But if it's just her, then that takes a lot out of this idea of like horrors revisited. And sometimes the only way a bit of history lives on, even if it evolves or uh, even mutates is through like a legend through underground, through like oral tradition, you know? Yeah. Like, Candyman's folklore, right? Yeah. That's basically what it is. So, and she, I mean, like from a race perspective, is like stepping into something that doesn't necessarily belong to her, right? Yeah, the people yeah. And Cabrini Green believe it in its own way. Yeah. And so, it, yeah. but it is that thing, like I, like, I agree with what you're saying. Like, she brings it to life. It only exists because people believe in it. 
Right. Like, what's the difference? Like, if somebody people somebody believes in something, is it not true, at least to them? And that's power. And then the more people who believe in it, is that now not true? Something like that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting. I definitely think she's under influence sometimes, but I think because she, in an academia haze with a bit of hubris, stumbled into shit. And she had multiple warnings. Yeah, and I mean, like, they make, uh, like, Daniel charming, right? So oh, he, oh, yeah, he's the Phantom of the Opera type yeah, monster. It's a seduction, it's right? absolutely, yeah. yeah. Which also, in its own way, plays into racist tropes, but... Yeah, but, but I would say it's interesting because that's part of his origin story. Right. You know, and whether or not, like, you know, I know some people think, like, well, Helen's, like, the reincarnated uh, woman he loved. I don't think it even matters. You know, I think it's this idea of, like, become part of the story. You know, like, we're going to repeat this again because that's how stories keep going on, is repetition and cycle. He really wanted to, like, Helen and the baby. He was going to try to recreate his family again, you know? That's, like, the end, where he's kind of trying to recreate it again. Like, I'm going to, we're going to reset and we'll repower me again, you know? That's my interpretation, anyway. I mean, what's lovely about urban legends and folklore and fairy tales is that there's multiple interpretations all the time and they evolve as they're needed. Oh, sure. Yeah. And that plays into the second movie, right? Because it starts with a retelling of Helen's story and it's completely different, but also it it's more, I don't know, believable kind of in the way. Right. Oh, you know, I love that because it's showing in a way it's showing that like that we saw the beginning of Helen's story and now we see how a story after a few decades changes for whatever's needed, you know, because in a way it doesn't, the truth almost doesn't matter. It's more of a, like, like a global truth. Like, we know what happened to Helen, but it doesn't matter for the story because the story's trying to tell something important that people who listen to it would have to learn. You know, like, beware of white women wandering into your neighborhood. They will kill your baby. <laughs> you know? But here's the thing is that shit happened. So that's yeah, what Helen's right. story became, you know? It doesn't matter the singular truth. It's like a global truth. Yes. And I love that. I really do like that about the uh, Anita Costa's film is that keep like, how does that story continue? Because we actually, you know, whether you know the truth or not, it kind of doesn't matter. Yeah. And that plays into the second one as well, because uh, and his name is Sherman, right? The gentleman with the candy, right? Oh, that yes. That sounds right. Yep. Yeah. Um, and even then, right, they believe that he's the one that did it. Right. And then <laughs> he's brutally murdered and immediately the next day it's found to be untrue. Yeah. 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 So it, it but that it was too little too late and it didn't really matter. So it's just like that cycle. Of- yeah. Yeah. And we see that at the end too, where the cops like, Hey, here's two ways this happened. And it doesn't matter what the truth is. It's the story we're going to tell. And we'll, so again, it keeps talking about like, what's the actual truth? What's the truth that the story will be, you know, and that, that other side of it, you know, it's, it's, I, I, I loved that echo, you know, and the idea of like Candyman in this sense being, well, this story will fight that story. If you're going to tell harmful lies, like that story, lies, garbage, you know, uh, the things that get people beat up and killed, well, then maybe this is a somewhat of a balance, a story that would, you know, if you if you can't respect a human, you can fear the myth. Yeah, yeah he's a boogeyman. He's going to come get you. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, he is. Well, it's just such I want to talk about like just like the perfect casting there, like instantly iconic. Um, I think he said something once in an interview, like he knows like within the first three lines of his obituary, it's going to say Candyman. And, and that's like he's OK with that. Like he's come to like, you know, be okay with that and certain have a certain pride about it. And I'm like, hell yeah. Like he doesn't have like, well, I mean, there's a couple candy mans after, uh, and they're not the same as the first, but like, no. like instantly you're like, I just, that presence and, uh, like Candyman needs to have a presence. There has to be something, uh, compelling about him because that's part of the story. You know, why would you keep telling that story? Why do people search this out? And I thought oh, it's just perfect. It's gorgeous. You know? Yeah, I think, I, and yeah, there, there have been, what, four Candyman movies? There were the three it's in the like original three. trilogy and then the yeah. new one, right? Um, yeah. But, yeah, and Diminishing Returns, I guess. They, they've got they've all got something to say. Um, yeah, I, I don't feel like, I haven't really, like, I think I saw the second one once, but I, I don't have enough knowledge right. to, 
I, I talked ha- on those much. Yeah, I haven't seen it recently enough to, to really speak about it. But I think the interesting thing is that Tony Todd is such perfect casting for it that there has never really been another Candyman. It's always been Tony Todd. Like, the only other horror icon I can think of that has that, and it's it's mostly true, is Robert England and, and Freddy, right? We had that yeah. one weird Jackie tried Haley it. thing. They tried it, and right. they're like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> right. But yeah. out of the, yeah. the horror icons, I think he's really the only one who's been the, the, the perfect casting for it and has kind of carried it through for, I mean, 30 years now, right? Yeah. And uh, it's interesting that, like, the new ones, like, almost plays with that. Like, no, no, don't worry. You know, we're not replacing him. This is a continuation in a line, you know? Yeah. It, and I, well, I thought I that actually I really liked. I really loved the end and I loved that. And I thought they, they used him exactly how they needed to without it being like fan service that felt out of nowhere. Instead, it felt thematically correct, but also like Tony. Yeah. I think it worked for the story, right? Because yeah. it was about the cyclical violence yeah. that doesn't go yeah. away. Yeah. Right. And he's the last candy man you see, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I guess like, it's oh. like, yeah, yeah, are they all his spirits? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. how does it, I guess, then that's, like, part of what you think. Like, is it him at his core and he appears as these other people? Or is right. it, like, I guess, uh, Coleman Domingo. I'm so sorry. I can't remember his character's name, but it's Coleman Domingo. Oh. Uh, like, says, like, it's a hive, right? It's, like, oh, all of yeah. them. And maybe, I like, like that very, he's the yeah. queen. Maybe, yeah. like, you know, he's the queen. <laughs> but... Yeah, no, I, I like that. I like that because, again, it makes it bigger than one one man and his tragedy because it isn't. It's a continue. You know, it's a it's a cycle. It's a horrific cycle. So, so I feel like there's not an actual DNA and not like you're cursed, except for maybe this last guy, T- Tony. We'll see, you know, but besides that, it seems like there's no connection except that these were black men. And at one point, that is a, that, 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 that's like a child in there, too. You yeah. know, so the the only the connection is just being who you are in America, and that's yeah. enough of a connection. You know, I like I like the hive thing because it kind of brings in another v- variation of bees that obviously wasn't part of the original idea, but I think it works really well. You know, you can take out an individual bee, but you, you know, as long as the hive exists, there there's more bees. Yeah, I, I like that ex- extended back beyond just renewing the myth with the one yeah. one guy it's actually just you know like yeah. like kp said the, the cyclical nature of the, yeah yeah, the yeah. Violence. like he's the origin all yeah. respect right. like i think very much you're saying like this is where this particular legend started but it's such a powerful like it just kept growing every time something like this happened you know it it just like grew in power right one of the most interesting things for me in the, the film is kind of how the the Candyman myth functions in the Cabrini Breen projects, like how, what the impact of that is, you know, why, why it functions the way it does and how, how it impacts kind of the, the people that live there. Um, what are, what were your thoughts about how it kind of informed folks living there and, and how it functioned, how, how, how it was a piece of the culture in the, in the, uh, in the project there. For me, if we're talking the first film, um, yes, I'm sorry. because in okay. many ways, firstly, it's our entrance into the story of the movie because Helen is, uh, you know, researching urban legends and myths and her piece of crap husband teaches a class about it. Ugh, He's the garbage, worst. man. Garbage. the worst. Garbage, right? Though, oddly enough, uh, if I remember correctly, he's talking about alligator alligators getting flushed down into the sewer as the myth they're talking about. So, you know, shout out to our boy Ramon. Right. I mean, it's real. It's not an urban myth. No, <laughs> Ramon exists. And he's out there terrorizing the streets. Yeah. Right. Yeah. See, see, that's why he's a bad professor, a bad husband and a bad <laughs> human. But I got off on a little tangent. We'll have time to crap on him again later. Yeah, I, I have the time. But so so it started first. It's like that's her, her interest and her curiosity. What it seems to be, because we're kind of introduced uh, to it first by uh, she's interviewing a couple people who are telling her how they heard the legend. And that's how we get to see Ted Raimi, which always makes me happy because it's a classic urban legend setup where like there's like a babysitter and she's watching the kid, but her boyfriend came over and he all wants to like, you know, get down and they go into like the, and it's like, it's very much like a Bloody Mary setup, which I like because it's familiar, but different for us. So we kind of have the gist of it already. And they do the whole, like, you know, say Candyman into the mirror, 
but like only the girlfriend like has the guts to say it that fifth time. And then of course, you know, murder and mayhem. And so, so the beginning, we're like, okay, so it obviously it's a warning. It's a warning about um, things you don't know. But I think as they get uh, closer to the home of the story, because this is where we find out where uh, Daniel Robichaud's blood was spilled on Cabrini Green, right? So this is right. the source, the, 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 the where it is. Where it's the strongest. When you start um, listening to, like, the residents of the area, you start getting, you know, a deeper, under, like, this thing of, like, it's almost like, like a belief system or religion. I was like, going to say, it's very, yeah. very akin to a religion. Yeah, as you kind of get in there, it becomes deeper. Like, everyone knows the story. You, We live here. We live on this ground. And there's almost, it's more of like a like a, a respectful hush. Like, don't talk about it because that shit is real. And we don't want to bring that to us again because this has happened on this place before. So I think as it goes on, it becomes, uh, it's in this one, it's a warning. And I think in nothing else, it's a warning. And it's also a reminder of history, of uh, a man, uh, a black man, who um, was punished for daring to not stay in the place that he was supposed to, uh, according to this country. I'd say at the time, but I don't think there is an expiration on that. No, I think so. That would make yeah. sense for like a population to to have that story in there. Like, hey, hey, you know, there's always somebody ready to kill you. To, to put you in your place. So that's why I think it serves in that, in, in that, in, in this original film. Sure. Now, I, I guess the question is, now, Candyman kind of derives his power from people believing in the myth, right? That, that's kind of the, the through line for, for his character in the first film, right? So I, I guess, and this is just spitballing, um, if you know, what happened with Helen didn't happen with Helen. And if she didn't kind of continue that, that myth, the, 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 thing, the, the, the urban legend that's kind of repeated over and over again, do you think that would have changed the culture at Cabrini Green? Do you think that would have given some sort of like hope for mobility or something like that? I you know, or here's the thing. No. I don't think she's necessary to the story. She inserted herself in the story, sure. but that was already embedded yeah, I mean, and I may be mistaken because I think I'm just blinking after watching like both of them like back to back. But right. uh, the neighbor was killed by him, right? Or was it the gang member? Or was well, it I unclear? I don't know if we get clarification. So, which and, I think kind of fits for the story. Like, yeah, and right. also in the second, uh, so in, in the requel, um, Sherman's story happens before Helen. So yeah, I think. And also, then what? And then we have um, Coleman Domingo's sister is also killed. So it, yeah, I, I think yeah. Helen yeah. is just like the pinpoint where we're dropped in the story, but it was yeah. never going to stop um, yeah. happening because that's just, I mean, I think that's at least, I think both stories are in their own way, like about a cycle of violence and revenge right in its own way yeah. right because yeah. helen's story i mean in a she kind of inadvertently becomes like a vengeance like yeah. spirit right <laughs> when she oh, sure. xander berkeley exactly like when she comes back and yeah. gets him like a fish yeah. um <laughs> we're all like ha 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 it's the best part <laughs> it it really was yeah. um yeah, fantastic. <laughs> he's the worst he sucks yeah, well it's interesting because like she's not like she's not the continuation of Candyman. she's her own like she basically kind of had a sub myth Right, she, she got involved yes. and became a sub myth, but I think especially uh, you know with the new film we see okay that it's made it very clear oh this is this cyclically happens you know as lo as long as the world and particularly again I think we're talking America here I don't want to say the world because this is a very American myth oh, yeah. as long as America doesn't reckon with its shit that cycle happens and Candyman continues especially in that area because it feels like it keeps happening because it's like that area of a that idea of a the power of a repeated tragedy in one area. Yeah. And I mean, like Anthony is going back and I don't know, you know, in a way it's like, is he kind of called to that place? Yeah. He's kind of refinding his history. Right. So they're kind of in the gentrified new version yeah. of Cabrini green. Right. So it's like, he 
Sears and it's a lost story history. in the beginning. Yeah, and it's his lost, lost history in his own way, right? Yeah. And so, and also, like, I guess viewing it from an artist's perspective, so it's like a double-edged thing there, right? Like, is he intrigued because he's being called back to this place for whatever supernatural perhaps reason or and it's probably both right or he's interested in this story and now it's starting to spark that kind of creative flow where he needs to know more about yeah. this area and what happened to these people here oh you know what i I've, i did not come up with the idea i cannot take credit for this it was in one of the extras i was watching but they're like it's interesting because like he has the both the photography of helen and the painting of Daniel, his like spiritual parents, the, his, his parents that would have been his ghost parents if like the fire had happened. I'm like, oh, I like that. I like that. Is, is that part of the thing that he was already touched by them, even in that short amount of time? Like, was he already part of the story, which is super like, okay, so I guess we're moving on to something else here. Did he even have a choice? Is he so caught up in this cycle from a child? Because I guess that could be a metaphor. Sure. Because you have this a feeling that like this poor guy. Yeah. Like, you know, more than any other that we know of in this cycle was almost destined. He didn't have a choice. Uh, yeah, there, there's a certain feeling of predestiny, right? Like, yeah, it, it, the the ball, the, the, the die was cast at the bonfire, right? Yeah, that, I mean, really it's no, interesting. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's something. Yeah, that's really interesting. And now it keeps bothering me. I have to know. I keep just saying Coleman Domingo because I was like, oh, oh, good grief. And I feel bad because I was like, he's a whole character. Yeah, no, William. There we go. William Burke. And I mean, like he orchestrates yeah. it as well. So like he's kind of a tool to yeah. bring Anthony like deeper and deeper into it. Like, it's, Yeah, he's almost like a, a prophet trying to reignite a religion. Like he saw it die. You know, like, I don't know, but like, he had that feeling that he's very actively, which I, is an interesting idea is like, no, this has to happen, which I don't know. Would there the tragedy still have happened if he wasn't like pulling? I don't know. Right. It, it is his role to to shepherd that through. Is that his predestiny or? Or is it just like succumbing to like, well, this is going to be inevitable, so I'm going to help? I don't, I don't know. I don't think there's a definitive answer. It's interesting to think about, though. Yeah. Really he waited a while too. hard here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's you're thinking, making me think really hard here. Yeah, I know. People are going to be no, checking their podcast app like, which one am I listening to? Is this anomaly? <laughs> this is weird. Yes, but we're being the thinky one right now. It's weird, and I want you to know we're as, like, wigged out as you are right now. <laughs> yeah, this... We, <laughs> we paused and freaked out about it. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? What's happening? Yeah, we're, we're digging deep on this one because yeah. there's a lot to think about. I mean, there, there's 30 years worth of myth and, and kind yeah. of... Like, actual. What's amazing is, like, time... Like, Candyman has become myth. I'll guarantee right. you there's been groups of school kids for decades. Like they move like, you know, I'm sure Bloody Mary, Bloody OG, Mary, right. all respect. But like there's groups that don't do Candyman, you know, oh, 100%. There was now when the trailers were released, right? And it was in the span of, you know, before it was released. I 100% saw a TikTok where the mother was like, hey, standing in the bathroom recording and it was like called her son in there and was like, hey, I got to show you something. Come in. And then she locked the door, stood between the door, turned the lights off and started saying it to freak him out. And you could see him like fighting his way to try to get out. So, you know, it's passing it on to the next generation. I mean, yeah. the kid might have been like 13, 14. So Aww, truly generational trauma. Right. That like shows how we want to continue stuff like this like what's the purpose of bloody mary Ugh. sometimes it's just like we need to stay freaked out right because you never know when the hammer is going to fall and it could be in the bathroom where you're most vulnerable yeah and i think that's like what makes i don't know like him extra scary i don't know because like I, between like like freddie and jason and michael i don't know it, like like the act is is like you call him right i, I feel like it, you could kind of draw a parallel hmm. a little bit with like freddie right because right. it, it has to do with myth and story and it be it needs to carry on and that's the only way but like it like you have to actively call yeah him like hmm. you look yourself in the mirror yeah. and you're like it's on yeah. i picked up the supernatural phone ring ring come and kill me like <laughs> yeah. no i like that i mean freddie uh, well, it starts with being a kid on Elm Street and then ever living on Elm. Well, you know, he starts running out of stuff. Jason, yeah. <laughs> it's going to camp. 
and right. you know ha- screwing yeah you know uh for for michael you know in honesty it's just being there on halloween wrong right? wrong place wrong yeah. time like, like, yeah. like leatherface like don't go in other people's houses what the hell is wrong with you kids this is rude okay we're just right? trying to eat and now yeah. you've shown up it's dinner yeah. time and you are yeah. the dinner you did not bring food exactly <laughs> so now you are dinner right so all of those are like i, I can avoid that i can avoid that right you can't even you're like there's that part of you you know sometimes you're like if i did this it's that part of you that almost wants to self self-destroy or at least self-test i think that's it you're like i i know i could make sure this never happens to me but what if the lizard brain kicks in yes i think that's particularly you know what it's interesting because it kind of fits into that like almost seduction idea about Candyman. Oh. you're like i won't do it probably I mean, pro- I mean, okay, but also let's, I mean, what if like, uh, uh, Candyman, oh, I want one in. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, even after you conjure him, I mean, part of the thing in the, the first film is that he, he asks for her to consent to being yeah. a victim. You know, that is true. Right? Even he, after he's, a he's summoned. A gentleman and a scholar. He's a gentleman you know? and a scholar. But no, I think that's important. Yeah. yeah. He's like, you have to buy into this. Right. My- but of course, Helen's different. Like he doesn't ask everybody. He kills no. most of the people. So that's there's it, there's that thing about almost like he was trying to repeat his story but change it. Right. And and yeah. I wonder if cuz I'm kind of stuck in this idea of and I don't know why, trying to break out of the cycle, mm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, it kind of replace somebody in that cycle. So if you know, that it's it's the ring, right? If you can get somebody else, oh, maybe you oh, save yourself. Okay, here here's the terrifying thought that brings up, though, right? Mm-hmm. So, at the end of the original Candyman, are we supposed to be rooting for Candyman, Helen, and the baby to die in a fire? Would that have broken the... I feel like... No, right. and, yet, and yet, would it have? And that's the ultimate question, that's right? It's a terrifying question. How do you break the cycle? Right. Is, is he trying to break that cycle? Yeah, I don't, I don't know, because I don't think, especially the first one, I'm not quite sure. Like, what, I mean, especially with Helen, like everybody else, like he's doing his Candyman stuff, right? I don't know. That's a super interesting. Because he's killing black women left and right. He's just killing black women left and right. The man is not mathing there, but right. No, 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 no. That's that's the piece. Definitely. But uh, yeah, and I think that's where sometimes I guess he gets a little muddled, right? Is he a yeah. hero? Is he an anti-hero? What's yeah. happening there? And it's clear, you know, something absolutely horrific happened to Daniel, and now this is who he's become yeah. type thing, yeah. so... Yeah, mm. I, here's the thing. I think he gets to, like, have his complexities. Yeah. He went through a lot. You know what? He's figuring it out, too. He's like, I don't have a book. I have a hook. Ah! Very well done. Hey! Excellent. But it makes it more dynamic and interesting, yes. right? It's not completely yes. like. That's know. the other thing that makes him stick out in that, like, if we're talking, like, I don't think he's totally a slasher, but he gets drawn into that because he is a horror icon. I say he's definitely a horror icon, and yeah, comparatively, he's you know he's very complex. Well, he he's closer to a, a vampire character than he is Ooh. a slasher. You know, Ooh, that yeah, he's a tra- he's a tragic. Yeah, right. definitely yes. He, yes. He has more in common with Dracula or the Phantom of the Opera than he has oh. with Michael Myers or Jason. And not just that sick ass fashion sense. And though. not that badass coat. Right. Oh my God. But the I, the silhouette it cuts is amazing. Like it's instantly when Magnus made the giant Candyman, <laughs> right? People from the front could know instantly as they were looking down the, the lobby, all you had to see was that silhouette and you know who you're approaching. Yeah. From the back. If you haven't seen it, check it out on Instagram. It's at Anomaly yeah. Film Fest. You'll see all the the art that, that Magnus did. And there is, it had to be seven feet tall and probably four feet wide. Yeah. I'm short, so it seemed very, very tall. It's, yeah, he was a big boy. He was towering over me. Yeah. It's massive. Yeah. It's massive. And it, it's it's something to see. But yeah, it absolutely cuts that figure. And there there is a certain, you know, seductive power to it, you know, that that you'd miss from from your normal slashers. And I think that's kind of part of where that complexity comes from. Well, and I did see one thing in the interviews that kind of like ties into that as well. They tried to build it that way, right? In terms of 
like Tony and Virginia literally went and took waltzing classes together and fencing oh, classes. Wow. So they were like building on that. I like love that. And that yeah. her her consenting, which we like was previously yeah. mentioned, is like part of their dynamic. Yeah. So oh, I like. Oh my god, they were waltzing. Oh, I love it so much. It's, it's, it's just a weird take that courtship. dancing with the stars. Oh, <laughs> even my Candyman waltz. <laughs> Tony Todd for Dancing with the Stars, by the way. Oh, yes. For everything. I mean, listen, again, someone who like this, just just the horror icon himself. He's worked in it. He always gives 100%. I'm always, like some people you're just like so happy to see. Even if everything else you're like, it's eh. Yeah. Tony Todd is one of those guys, you know? Like, you're just like, oh, Tony's here. Thank God. Yeah, I've never been disappointed when he's on the screen. The rest of the movie might yeah, suck right? ass. But <laughs> right? The, the five minutes he's in it, yeah. it's hey, going to be He great. tells those kids in Final Destination, he's like, this is what's happening, you dumbasses. Yeah. <laughs> gonna end up on the slab one way or another <laughs> he, he single-handedly puts, puts over the hatchet movies for me oh god i haven't seen the hatchet films yet they're great yeah. they're great but Ooh, if, oh go ahead go ahead go ahead oh, one thing is oh so going in with like you know like the costume design um particularly we're talking about like the gothicness of the first movie too like there is an aesthetic there like it's 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 um there is there's like religious imagery in that it's like a public art version of religious imagery you know you've got like just paintings on the wall you've got and then of course at the end where it, instead of like a candy man it's it's like helen like with her her like 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 with her head it's like it's renaissance painting on the wall it's like a freaking fresco yeah and then her hair is on fire i'm like i love that one i want that a poster but I, I think that I love that because that's very religious imagery. It's funny. It's, it's one of the most Clive Barkery things in that film. Yeah, the, the Candyman's lair is pretty much all Clive oh. Barker. That is that is quintessential Clive yeah. Barker to me. Uh, I just yeah. love it because it, it just has all this like texture to it. Like it speaks of history that you don't need to know, but you know that this is just built up. This is accrued over the years. Oh, love it. Yeah, the first time she walks through that hole and it, it turns out to be the Candyman's yeah. mouth. Is, oh, God. Oh, God, that's such a good image. Ugh. I don't know if I quite have... I'm trying to think of in the new film if there's something that, like... I mean, it's a different aesthetic. Right. It's much more modern art, which I, I like because it's kind of taking the piss out of modern art, too. Oh, for <laughs> I was like, ha, 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 ha. Yeah. Artist. I'm an artist. It's fine. I can talk crap about me. Yeah. You, you can pick out <laughs> yourself. You can pick out yeah. another artist. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I appreciate that, that, that little bit. of Though I liked the neon use, and I know that they went to actual artists and had them... You know, you stuff so it, it his reads paintings. very yeah, it reads very modern art, you know. Yes. I mean, I liked his mirror installation in the second one. Uh I'm still quite easily conjuring up the, the pictures where he's kind of he recreated the paintings of each of the victims. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, and yeah. he's like freaking out at the end and he's trying to cover it up because um uh, Brianna walked in there, like to see it. <laughs> She's like, but... "Hey, what's how 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 how's it going in there? Everything's fine. You don't have to worry, honey. This is great. <laughs> Having a whole meltdown in here. You just turn right around. <laughs> this is great. This is how art's made. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, I like. The, I will yeah. say, like, yeah, and I'll say, like, visually. I mean, it's a gorgeous film, and I think of particularly. I think what stuck with me is like when he's looking in the mirror at that um critic's house and he's oh. like how that kind of looked yeah. and where he's yeah. kind of coming face to face with like yeah sherman but yeah i think the look is more modern there which makes sense like yeah. we were going for gothic in like the first one and this is much more of a well it's it's okay so it's almost about like okay so you have like those high rises are gone and now they're condos so it has yeah. a colder feel to it which i think works you know Oh, for sure. It totally speaks to, to the gentrification of it, right? So you, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you, that's being like echoed, which I think um, then it starts getting fuzzier and like grittier as it kind of moves on towards the end. As it almost like gets more real because he's getting closer to his history and his truth. Yeah, because at the it, end, is it, it? are they in an abandoned church at the end? Um, yeah, yeah. Is it that? And then they're in the buildings. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because they're, they're in the, yeah, like, yeah, where she gets kidnapped. Oh yes, yes. It starts. He, he brings them to the church, and he cuts off. Yeah, that was rough. That yeah. was like I will say, like I mean, I think 
the gore from the first one still holds up i 100 you know covered my eyes a bunch especially yeah. with the dog but like yeah, i mean it's a little bit right. like yeah. in its own way it's a little bit more cartoony and also like where there is blood or it leaves a lot for the viewer to to put yeah. the pieces together which i always love that right my, yeah. my imagination is going to come up with so much worse <laughs> sure. than whatever you're going to show me. But Don't worry, I got it. I got it. I, I will say, like, the second one, like, the it was very grotesque. Like, mm. him, like, picking in his hand oh. and like, all that stuff. And, uh, ugh, God, it it's was so cream. gross. No. <laughs> yeah, that was very effective because I think that was uh, the slow burn of it. It, it. It's like the truth catching up to him. Like, it's his transformation, and it's not right away. It's just, oh, you're living with it? Very visceral. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> well done. And 100% Brianna would have told him, you're not getting into bed until you go to the hospital. We're right? going right now. I, she She's does like, not no. seem the type to yeah. be like, whatever, just, you know, put a Band-Aid on it. No, she would have been like, we are going. No. Yeah. Right now, you are not getting in bed. <laughs> no, I'm a reasonable human. What is happening? No. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I I feel like um Matt Turk would get upset with us if we didn't talk about the music. Oh, we have to 100%. Yeah. Was it I mean, Philip Glass? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that Philip Glass right? was so good. Did he he I think I got the impression that he wasn't even aware he was doing this for a horror film. Which is kind of amazing. Like in one of the interviews. Oh. oh, that'd be super interesting. Like I think um Bernard like went to him and was very clear about what he wanted hmm. like and he I think I saw him in an interview Bernard was like I don't want the music to tell you to be scared because then that hmm. makes it not scary right. which I don't agree with completely because that just <laughs> that will make me more intense because then you're just in preparation for whatever is about to get you um <laughs> right. they, they go hand in hand it's peanut butter and jelly you know what I mean peanut you butter and chocolate warning. yeah you, right or like you know, something's coming, something's yeah. coming, you know, and it just adds to it and it builds. But yeah, th those crescendos and stings that you usually get. Yeah. Versus I, yeah. <laughs> but I respect it in this because that's not what he was necessarily going for, right? It's like a seduction, right? We're consenting to what's happening here. But yeah. um, I yeah, in the interview I saw uh, after the movie came out, then he realized that he, he was like, oh, you had me do that for a horror movie. <laughs> So what is happening what? tricking people hypnotizing people yeah. <laughs> no <laughs> this, this whole that? movie was just him rooking everybody in between yeah, did anyone know they were making candy man they all no. come together then wait what, what just tony todd just tony todd <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 he's the only one he's I, the only one who had to know i thought you were buying honey like yeah <laughs> the, the whole thing like but we're doing a commercial yeah the I, I love Philip Glass. I think he does amazing music because, you know, I like to go out on a limb every now and then. Um, but, yeah, it just fits really well without being your stereotypical because it could have easily been a Universal Monsters horror score. Yeah. You know, where every time he pops up, there's the big operatic scream and all that. and But you don't get that. It's kind of understated and, and you know, almost romantic in places. It's 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 super yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, no, no, absolutely. I mean, plus it's got that organ. Here's the thing. Oh, I mean, you didn't know you were making a horror film, but you put that organ in there. <laughs> That's not a relaxing organ. It's literally just an organ, a piano, and uh, singing. Yeah. Yeah. Simple. Stripped yeah. down. Yeah. It works beautifully. So oh, so good. So good. So what else do we want to talk about yeah, with Candyman? Man? Yeah, Are we, we did there? so much thinking. The, I oh, know. Like, this is. Did I think it. Am I is, all funk out? This is the densest episode of this podcast yeah. we've ever had, except for Eric and the Happening. Oh, like, yeah. oh well, listen. that is the exception to the rule, and I say that with love because that yeah. was the most educational and interesting. Like oh. I don't, I don't know, just hearing him passionately discuss the Happening and from, M Night Shyamalan was fantastic. From a, yeah. a, a filmmaking standpoint, a hundred percent. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I would agree with that completely. This has been more of a. A thought, thought-provoking process on like you know, myth and, and sociology and and culture yeah. and that that's been interesting too. So, so there you go, folks. We we aren't all just goofs. Oh, you know what I was thinking of too, because I'm like I have the IMDb pulled up because I like want to say the characters' names, but yeah. um, I was thinking between the two movies, like how um Anthony's mom, Anne Marie, right, right, like yeah. she 100% is so like believes in it and is only focused on him and then she believes in it obviously so much more in the second one that she 
runs away from it. And from yeah. the minute he shows up to ask her, she like immediately turns and is like, no, like no. tries to shut it yeah. down. We are not opening that door. That can of worms is not, yeah. <laughs> We're, I mean, it's done. <laughs> the last time someone came around asking about that shit, shit, like her baby almost died. Her life fell apart. Yeah, so the only thing she, you know, the only person she cared about, the only, the most important thing for her. Oh my god, this poor woman. Then right, so the next person to bring it up to her is that very that child grown up. Oh my god, like can she not catch a break? Talk about echoing into the past. That would drive you insane, wouldn't it? Well, because part of her probably was always worried. Well, yeah, because right, because once you're touched by it, you know. Oh god, oh. Right. And I think, like, from her perspective, right, he was literally kidnapped. She thought he was dead. Okay, so time gets a little wonky here uh, because Helen was locked up for a month in the asylum. Yeah, I think because so, the, the doctor's like, you've been here a month. And she's like, yeah. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, this poor woman thinks, the like, the light of her life has been, is yep. dead and missing for a whole month. And then, obviously, she understands, like, something very clearly supernatural is happening, right? Yep. Because baby's been gone a month. This lady's been locked up. And then, like, to get yeah. saved from, like, a funeral pyre. It's just insane. Yeah. I wish they utilized her more in the second one. Yeah. Um, well, I was kind of curious, um, this idea of, like, because, like, you know, she's at the head of when all the folks come to Helen's uh, funeral. So I almost feel like, if anything, she'd be like, you know, I believe in Helen. Yeah. Because she saved, like, because, because, like, so obviously there was an understanding at least some folks had about either Helen saving the baby or being involved to the point where we need to include her in this Candyman thing, you in know? The cycle. Yeah. 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 Because I don't think we know totally at the end of the first one who believes what, but they show up there as some sort of like, they, they throw the hook. You know, they, you know, I'm curious what that is. In respect, is it just closing? A, they were hoping to close the door. I don't know what that is. And I think they keep it open. I think, yeah, like building off of that, that it's them trying to close it, right? Because they're superstitious, like, group of people who believed in this, like, outside of the gang, right? Mm. Where the gang leaders going by that name, but, and obviously the fact that it's, that's that woman, like, she lives there. She is from Cabrini Green. This is her her home that she grew up in, so she would already have that history, you know, beyond Daniel. So... Uh, yeah i think they were like finally it's done yeah but and then she would have moved away because shortly after that those cabrini green was demolished right right so yeah that's fascinating plus thank god they gave helen that hook because she made a really good use of it really soon afterwards yeah take that ex-husband Take that garbage pink walls. Take, the, I mean, listen, I don't know who the girlfriend deserves it. Who the hell does she know? She's like from what? Some young grad student or something. Yeah, that's exactly what she was. Just one of the students. Yeah, I don't blame her. Yeah, like, no. he's, he's a skeevy <laughs> professor. What yeah. does she know? And the fact that, like, he he waited literally, like, a month. Right? Like, she was locked up for a month. And she, he, she so, was, like, the walls were being painted. <laughs> Like, and yeah, like he made the active choice. Like oh. he would have already had to ask her to move in. He would have had to box everything up. Like <laughs> things were happening from the minute she got committed. He was like, all right, come on down. <laughs> it wasn't if, but when for him, like yeah. the, she's, she's going to lose it. And I'm going to get to have the co-ed come in. That was exactly what it was. He's oh, garbage God. person. Oh God. I hope Helen has continued on like fucking up shitty boyfriends and husbands lives like i hope that's the movie we haven't seen you know i don't know how many people are saying helen five times into a mirror it could happen accidentally yeah, that's who weird. knows but You're just thinking of helen mirren or something like oh, no. whoops <laughs> it's a very small like every once in a while every once in a while some <laughs> Some cruddy boyfriend and yep. <laughs> cheating husband gets gutted like a fish in the tub. Like, <sighs> <laughs> I can't wait for that series of movies. Yeah. <laughs> the Helen Files. Abel Ferrara's <laughs> Helen. Yeah. So anyway, ending on a note of joy. Um, yeah. Kind of breaks the the cycle of of everything that happens in the Candyman universe, I guess, a little bit. I mean, but it didn't. But it didn't. 
It just it just spun off another cycle, really. That's it. It, it. It's that thing where, you know, violence begets violence in any kind of a way. So, yeah, it's... Which, again, normally bad, but he deserved it. So, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, and I mean... the cycle? Nah. And it works, I guess, in the second one as well, right? The last killing... We'll say yeah. killings. It's a bloodbath, right? Or... Right. Yeah. Oh, that ending's good. And I think it's very, you know... It, I think it's the most... Um, I'll say heroic of the Candyman, but like it is a much more focused use. Like she calls him to do instant justice, and there's not collateral damage. Like he only takes out. Yeah, it undoes the deaths of the first one where he took yeah. out uh, half poor Bernadette yeah. there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think that that. I, that feels very um, purposeful. Yeah. Yeah, which I thought was a, a, a great way to end it. Plus. I love uh, all the different faces showing up in the uh, car windows as he's walking around. The kind of like, re- like this is this is like he right now is the end. Well, not the end, but this latest point of the cycle, you know. Right. And then that very end part, you know, where we could see be Tony, but he doesn't have to deal with actual beast this time. And it ends with that whole thing, like you know, um, God, what specifically does he say? It's not say it's it's tell everyone. Yeah tell everyone yeah which it just like just hits home like obviously this is what like the story and most must be told until it stops repeating yeah and i think that's really what it is right is that's how you break the cycle is when everybody understands it and and knows it you can kind of get away from it well that's an interesting way to look at it if everyone knows the story right and understands it that's the thing is i think you have everyone know it understanding it's the other piece yeah, like I don't think the kids in the what is it the high school bathroom know the story, like the actual no. story, you know? Yeah, cool scene didn't yeah. fit. Yeah, but I really do. I do. I like that idea. Damn, where like it's the story has to be known because it's like trying history trying to break through. Right. Maybe the truth is trying to hide in the story, and maybe if enough people hear it, maybe I like that. Yeah, because like from the high school perspective, I mean, like she was at the art thing yeah. took a quick picture and then was like oh i was there for that and it turned into something like kind of not at the core of the real horror of it right, right. it was just like oh i was there and this terrible thing happened that would be fun yeah. if we did this in the school bathroom uh, go to math class school. just uh, go to math class just, <laughs> just go to math class. save your life kids kids you listen to this podcast just go to math math will help it always does. That's our promo. Go to math, kids. <laughs> we did it, y'all. We saved we some did lives. It. Any final Candyman thoughts? <laughs> All the not... thoughts are already recorded. We've had you, a lot. You, yeah, they just poured yeah. right out of my brain. <laughs> you know what? We were focused like an Olympic curling team. I like. Yeah, I see what hey, you did there. Hey, Thank you. Hey. We worked collaboratively. We yes. We kept... Uh, the straightest line we've yes. ever had. This is yes. a record. Even if even if all you're, you're doing is sweeping, you're getting that line, you're and we're gonna there. hit that goal. Yeah. And the other stones are the other podcasts <laughs> that absolutely were nowhere we're near nowhere the target. Near. <laughs> nowhere near. Any stray thought that we just batted away. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh-huh. Plus, you know, we're semi-Canadian, so it feels like a sport you could do with like a you know a double double in your hand. Exactly. A box of Timbits waiting for you. Yeah. <laughs> That's my kind of sport. <laughs> There's no better way to go out than that, I think. Uh, so this is the end of a, a, another episode of Anomaly Presents, the podcast about genre movies, because we're a genre film festival. It's coming back to Rochester, New York. It's November 3rd through the 6th uh, this year, in person, at the beautiful and historic Little Theater. Join us, won't you? Join. And tell everyone. Tell everyone. <gasps> yes. We had someone ask. We haven't talked about this yet because I don't think we've done a show like just amongst us. So we, we did a, a, a screening of uh, Giallo um, a couple weeks ago. And at, at the end of the film, we were all sitting there. And one of the people in the audience looked at us sitting there in the audience and went, are you guys a cult? <laughs> and he knew where we were. Like, we... <laughs> He, he could us. sense that we were the Aww. people. He, he clocked <laughs> my, us. It was heart. it I'm was so impressive. Proud of us. And we without without missing a beat, we answered in the affirmative. Yes, we are. We are a cult. 
<laughs> Come join our cult. It's the Anomaly Film Festival, anomalyfilmfest.com, Anomaly Film Fest on all of the uh, social medias, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, follow us for a bunch of cool shit and more information about the festival. Thank you so much for listening from the hearts Thanks. of our bottoms, and we will Thank see you, you next time. Bye. On Anomaly Presents. Bye. We'll never be this focused again. Nope, don't get used to it. Bye. If you want to learn more about Rochester and Buffalo's wide range of diverse cuisines, Nominate Meals might be for you. The fun part is you have no idea what you're going to get until you pick your meal up at one of our fantastic events. All you have to do is go to nominatemeals.com and order a meal for two for $40 that features dishes from one small, typically minority-owned restaurant. We run events at Three Heads Brewing, Fatty Beer Company in the neighborhood of Play, and also Nowhere Lounge in Buffalo. We offer drink pairings for sale that pair with each dish for that night, which really adds to the experience. Go to nominatemeals.com to order your meal for an upcoming event and join the nomination.